in this week's market update. Wall Street pauses ahead of the run into Christmas, the dust settles on the autumn statement, and the looming slowdown weighs on the oil price. Well, it's Thanksgiving week, but investors are struggling to find much to be grateful for. Shares on Wall Street slipped by 1.2% last week, and the Nasdaq was 1.6% lower over the five sessions, as the markets digested comments from James Bullard, president of the St. Louis Fed, who poured cold water on hopes that the interest rate peak is in sight. It was the latest shift in sentiment in a long-running pendulum swing between optimism and pessimism over the key factor driving markets this year. How far do interest rates have to go to slow inflation and what impact will that have on the wider economy? Last week's contribution was a reminder that there is little hard evidence yet that the rate rises so far imposed by central banks such as the Fed have had much of an impact on the inflation rate. Although it fell back a bit in the US to 7.7%, it remains well above target and it's higher still on this side of the Atlantic. Markets are so keen to see light at the end of the inflationary tunnel that they're jumping on the slightest indication that price rises are moderating. But there's little real conviction in the rallies that we've seen since the summer, and it only takes a senior policymaker to strike a note of caution for shares to run out of steam again. Specifically, Mr Bullard said that he thought the Fed's main policy rate could rise to at least 5 to 5.25%. That's higher than the market is currently pricing. On the back of that, bond yields edged higher last week, with the two-year Treasury yield, the most sensitive to interest rates, now sitting at just over 4.5%. What that suggests is that rates will come down relatively slowly after peaking next year. Whether or not that is right is the key question facing investors alongside whether earnings can hold up during next year's slowdown. The current expectation is that earnings stripping out energy profits will rise by just 1% this year and by around 3% next year. Even if inflation halves from its current rate next year, that still leaves precious little in the way of real earnings growth. And the question then becomes, What's the right valuation multiple to put on that sort of tepid growth? Having fallen by around a third from 24 to 15, the bullish argument is that the bad news has been priced in. But a counter argument to that is that operating margins have only fallen from 13.7% to 12.4%, which is still above the pre-COVID margin. A key to deciding the right multiple for markets is where interest rates end up after next year's pivot. What's the long-run equilibrium level for US interest rates? The difference between, say, 3% and 4% is significant in this regard. It could be several points on that PE ratio scale. And sadly, no one knows where rates will end up. Technical analysts often look at where the market stands relative to its average over the past 200 trading days. That's roughly a year. After the most recent rally, the S&P 500 is bumping up against that average again, as it has done each time there's been a rally so far this year. It's failed so far to break through that ceiling each time and fallen to a new low. And with 90% of shares trading above their much shorter 20-day moving average, the pessimistic view is that we may be approaching another short-term peak for shares. Well, there's very little on the agenda this week to change investors' minds either way. 
There's a dearth of economic data in this US holiday week and not many companies reporting either. So the wait is likely to continue. Now, as discussed here many times recently, investors know that markets tend to bottom out during economic downturns. They don't wait for things to get decisively better before pricing in the recovery ahead. But what no one can tell us is when precisely that low point will be reached and at what level. Here in the UK, the focus in the past week has been more on the economy than the stock market, with the Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, providing a pretty bracing assessment of the outlook for the UK in his autumn statement. Markets took what he had to say in their stride, with the usual barometers of sentiment to political statements, bonds and the pound, little changed on the day of what was, in effect, a full-blown budget. The pound slipped a little, but having risen strongly from its September low of near parity with the dollar, that was to be expected. Bonds, too, appeared relatively relaxed about the way in which the Chancellor backloaded most of the revenue-raising measures in the statement towards the end of the next five-year forecasting period. The obvious political reason for doing that is that much of the pain will now be felt after the next general election, which must be held by January 2025. The potential financial risk of doing so is that the government has to issue more bonds in the short term to pay for higher borrowing, and the Bank of England has to work harder to calm inflation, keeping interest rates higher for longer. The fact that markets didn't take fright at the delay in balancing the books is testament to the new government's success in persuading investors that they do have a plan, even if it's a delayed one that doesn't involve a whole lot of economic growth. The reality of the autumn statement is that the country is poorer as a result of the various headwinds we face this year, notably the energy crisis in the wake of the invasion of Ukraine. And we will be picking up the tab for that and the government's response to COVID for many years to come. Taxes will be higher and government spending lower than we'd come to expect. As forecast, most of the heavy lifting in the autumn statement was done by so-called stealth taxes, freezing allowances and the thresholds at which people are pulled into higher tax bans, so-called fiscal drag, is a tried and tested way of raising revenue without most people noticing. There were some explicit hits as well, most obviously in the reduction of the threshold for the higher rate income tax band, the imposition of tax on electric cars, and a less favourable capital gains tax and dividend tax regime. But overall, it's probably fair to say that the pain has been felt mostly by the squeezed middle. Poorer people have been looked after and richer people have got away more likely than they might have feared. Elsewhere in the markets, the highlights have been a continued slide in the oil price, although if you drive a diesel car, you won't have noticed this because a shortage of diesel has created a yawning gap between the cost of petrol and the cost of diesel. The cost of a barrel of Brent crude fell 9% last week to around $88 after the International Energy Agency cut its forecast for global oil consumption growth next year on the back of, in its words, rising recession odds, China's persistently weak economy, Europe's energy crisis and the strengthening dollar. The energy crisis, both on the forecourts and in our heating bills, which the autumn statement only partially addresses from next April onwards, means that global priorities have changed. 
the impact of that shift in focus was most clear at the COP27 climate summit in Sharm el-Sheikh, which petered out in frustration and acrimony with no real progress announced over and above the measures announced in Glasgow a year earlier. This Friday is so-called Black Friday, although the traditional post-Thanksgiving sales are now rather more than a single day event. In practice, they now represent the start of the run into Christmas and investors will be watching the retail news flow carefully to see if the great American consumer can keep the show on the road. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.